This is The Art of the Hookup, your straightforward guide to a successful sex life. I'm Georgie Wolf, an Aussie escort and total hookup enthusiast. Welcome to episode 13. When mental health problems are getting you down, does seeking out sex make the situation better or worse? Sam from smutbuttons.com is back to answer the question, should I go out and get laid or should I see my therapist? Before we get started, just a reminder that this podcast is adults only. And with that said, let's get into it. Hi, this is Georgie here. I'm a Melbourne writer, sexual adventurer and independent escort. My mission is to talk honestly about all the stuff you need to know to have a great hookup. And by that, I mean finding the people that are right for you, negotiating amazing sex and walking away feeling good about yourself. Does your mental health get in the way of your hooking up? We all have our own ways of coping when we're feeling down. And as a hookup enthusiast, sex often makes me feel better, but it doesn't always end well. This episode, Sam from smutbuttons.com is here to unpack all the ways our heads can mess with our hookups. Together, we're sharing our experiences of balancing sex, self-care and professional help. Now, this episode has a disclaimer. Neither myself nor my guest are mental health professionals, so we can't tell you what's right for you. Please discuss anything you hear from us with your own psychologist or counsellor. We're talking about some heavy stuff, including maybe a bit about suicide. If anything in this conversation makes you feel bad and you're in Australia, you can give Lifeline a call on 131114. Hi Sam, it is very nice to have you back. Thank you, it's delightful to be back. And we're sitting in my bedroom and because it's gotten quite warm today and we just had a rather large lunch, we're doing the no pants thing. It's true. It's a pants-free podcast. Pants-free podcast is the best type of podcast. It's true. Right? Yeah. I haven't actually gotten into bed with anyone yet, but we're moving towards in slow degrees. Like yeah. the clothes are coming off. Yeah. Maybe next episode I'll actually tuck them in. You know? Yeah, I, I do like this. Like a bit of spooning while podcasting. I think it can only lead to good things. Could be great or it could yeah. be super awkward depending <laughs> on who it is. So I'll, I'll sort of, you know, we'll keep our options open. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> but pants-free pants is a... Is a pretty safe playing field. I think pants free is fine. Yeah. So you're coming back and uh, Sam was with us for an earlier version of the podcast where we talked about safer sex. But just in case anyone missed out on you last time, can you tell us a little about yourself and what you're about, what you're into? Yeah. So I run uh, smartbuttons.com, which I've been doing for uh, the better part of a decade now, uh, where I talk about relationships, sex and how they intersect with mental health. Awesome. So you're all over this shit. Hell yeah, this is my bag. And you have some mental health stuff going on, right? Can you tell us a little bit about your situation, like as much detail or as little as you're comfortable with? Um, so I have, I feel like mental illness is kind of like Pokemon, like I really want to catch them all. Um, so I'm just like... <laughs> like STIs. I think yeah, we talked about that last yeah, time. exactly. <laughs> joking, um, people. Joking, joking. Don't, don't catch all the STIs or, or mental illness if you can avoid it. Not that we have much control over this, which is, exactly. brings us to your particular situation, right? Yeah. So I, um, I've had depression since I was about uh, two or three, um, which most people are kind of like, how do you know that you have depression at two or three? Uh, and it turns out trying to kill yourself by jumping into the dam when you can't swim is a pretty good indicator. Jesus Christ. So yeah. I put the suicide disclaimer um, content warning on this thinking that we get to it at some point later on but no we're straight fucking into that because yes sometimes when we talk about this shit like yeah this is the shit that goes on thanks yeah. for sharing and I'm really fucking sorry oh look it's it's okay it's um you know it was 
in many ways it was a helpful diagnostic tool. Um, it was something that kind of, you know, though extreme and kind of distressing um, for many people, uh, I look back at it as, well, that's a really, um, it was a really good and helpful indicator that there was something not quite right with my brain. Something was wrong. Yeah. That needed to be looked at. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, about uh, 10 years ago, I got diagnosed with anxiety, um, mm -hmm. which is, you know, pretty common when you've got depression. They tend to hang around together. I want to high five you, but I don't know if it's entirely appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> low five, low five. Yeah, man. Yeah. I love mm. that one. Um, and then uh, probably about uh, four years ago, I got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, which was a really tough one to come to terms with because it is a very highly marginalized um, personality disorder and one mm -hmm. that a lot of people do not talk about because it is so um, highly stigmatized. Can you tell us a little bit, because even I don't entirely know, like, and it says BPD for short, yeah? Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about what BPD like actually is and what it means for you, like what your experience yeah. is like? So BPD is a really unique one. It's um, very common in people who have experienced trauma, um, but predominantly it, um, it's quite interesting. Traditionally, men get diagnosed with PTSD, women get diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. So it's not even like, you may not have been handed the diagnosis we're handed is sometimes pretty arbitrary. Or like there's something wrong with you and we don't know mm. what it is, so we're just going to give you this this label. Well, so there's about uh, seven different diagnostic criteria for BPD. There's like, um, and I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but, you know, it's things like uh, black and white thinking, um, you know, pushing away people who you get emotionally close to. Um, you know, there's like seven different criteria, and I think you need five of them to fit like a proper diagnosis. So technically, I don't fit all of those uh, anymore because I've actually, through therapy and working through my issues, I've gotten a lot better and no longer self-harm and no longer do some of the um, behaviours. But you. That's great. Yeah, it was um, It was actually, the getting diagnosed was one of the most helpful things for it because I suddenly realised what my patterns were. Um, so borderline personality disorder is kind of a way... It, because it comes from trauma, it's a lot of people develop unhealthy coping mechanisms because of the trauma. So when something bad happens to you and then to try and process, that means that you come up with all these other behaviours that look yep. like they're really destructive or difficult, but actually they're actually helping you deal with the fact that something really fucked up has yep. happened to you. And they yep. can, they often are quite destructive and difficult as well. Um, so, you know, one of the things is um, I grew up and, you know, hilariously I can remember the exact moment where I said to myself you know what it's not safe to trust people if I don't ever trust anyone then I can never get hurt and at the time I was like well this is a sensible step seems I'm, logical yeah you know I'm taking steps to protect myself this is a sensible grown-up thing to do um but it turns out that when you pathologize that and don't trust anyone over the course of your life every time people get close you push them away and go no no I will not trust you I will not be swindled by you again good sir um, and then you end up uh, in a psych ward uh, and they say, no, that's not actually healthy. And you're like, well, why didn't you tell me earlier? Oh, yeah. Thanks yeah. very much. Where were you when I was 14, buddy? Right. Okay. Yeah. So all this stuff is super relevant to getting laid. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there is a shitload to say about that. Um, before that, I'm going to add my tiny little pile of mental health shit to the pile. But it, it is a fairly, it's a it's a smaller pile of shit, but it's still, it's still Look, valid, right? it doesn't right? matter what size the pile of shit is. The fact it's still is, your shit. it's your shit. Um, my shit is depression and anxiety. So I've struggled with depression. I've been suicidal. I also have quite a lot of social anxiety, which means that every time I have any sort of good like social interaction with anyone, I spend like the next day picking it apart to find the thing I did wrong. 
Um, and then just general anxiety um, and feeling super tense and stressed out all the time. General anxiety? Yeah. Again, suppressing the urge to high five. Hooray. <laughs> Great. Lovely. Um, but here we're, we're here to talk about hookups and talk about sex and talk about how our experience of dealing with all this shit um, affects um, affects us actually getting laid, yeah. right? And unfortunately, they do overlap in quite a big way. So how how do you feel like your mental health stuff does affect your efforts to hook up? Um, so it's interesting. Like sometimes I find that I look for hookups as a way of validating myself. So I like will, to feel better. Yeah. So I'll be feeling a bit shit and I'm like, oh man, you know, if I got laid tonight and just had someone just kind of be impressed by me as a person, that would make me feel so much better. Oh, I relate to that so much. Right. And sometimes it's like you, and even, you know, in an established relationship where I've got a primary partner, um, I will still be in a position where I'm like, no, no, like, that's cool that you love me and all, but like, I need like someone who has no skin in the game. I need a random stranger Some to validate Some random me. person to tell you you're great. Exactly. That's when it really counts. Yeah, because they've got no investment in this, so they I, wouldn't lie to no me. No ulterior motive. Yep. <laughs> and we talked about this last time you were around for the podcast, but you are in a long-term relationship and you also, um, you also have uh, an open relationship, which means that you shag other people outside your relationship. Yes. Yeah. So it's uh, the best of both worlds, you could say. Right. Um, yeah. So I, and look, I'm very fortunate. My um, established partner is incredible and very supportive with my mental health issues. Um, and so most of the time I tend to avoid dating or hooking up when I know that I'm in a bad headspace um, because I experience has taught me that um, not many people straight off the bat can know how to deal with someone who's not going through a great time. While, while you're telling me about this, I'm kind of like interested because you're talking about your mental health stuff and maybe you go on a date and you're, you're having some stuff going on and you're not feeling great. And then you're going back home to your partner. But what happens with me if I'm having a bad day is I might try and go on a date and it might not go well or I might feel super uncomfortable or anxious. And then I'll just retreat back to my like, um, you know, to my cave. Sadness cave. Sadness cave. And that actually works okay. It sounds, it sounds bad. Like people go, oh, you haven't got a partner, which means you're just alone and you're sad. And actually, no, it's great. When I'm having mental health problems, yeah. I need to be alone and I need that personal space. So yeah. I'll, I'll call the date off or I'll leave and I'll come back and I'll shut my fucking apartment door and I'll like climb into bed and be like, right, I feel safe now. Yeah. But I'm wondering, that might not be the case for you. Maybe um, how do you find coming back? Is it good having the support there of your partner, like coming away from dates if they didn't go well? It's, um, it's a sort of mixed blessing. In some ways it can be really good, but in some ways it's it's hard when I'm like you, when I kind of just want solitude and I want to just be alone with my feelings and my thoughts and just process them in my own good time. Yeah. Um, but then coming home to a partner and you kind of like, there's that thing where it's like, if you've had a bad date, they're often worried that, oh God, what did this person that you went on a date with say or do? Like, is it their fault? Exactly. It's like, no, I'm just having a bad day. Which yeah. is, And that's a common problem with mental health too, that mm. when we go to our friends and say, hey, I'm feeling really down today. Like I feel terrible that they always say, oh, what happened? Yeah. And then you have to go, nothing fucking happened. It's yeah. my fucking head. <laughs> exactly. This is what happens, dude. I'm having a bad day. Hashtag born this way. Yeah, yeah. And also don't need a reason. Sometimes yeah. our mental health is just bad. Yeah. And there's and no thing to be fixed. 
fixed. Exactly. Right. And this was something that I actually found um, <laughs> really difficult um, was realizing that because I'd had, you know, mental health issues from such a young age and when you're, you know, three or four and people see a sad three or four year old, they're like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And as a three or four year old, you, you kind of learn that you you have to reply like you when an adult asks you a question you have to give an answer but you don't know what the answer is and so you learn to lie really quickly and really well um and so i got really good at coming up with reasons air quote reasons to be sad when there was no reason oh that fucking sucks and it's so awful like not being able to just be honest and say look i feel sad that's the way it is it's nothing that you can fix yeah um Oh, I'm so sorry. It's um look, it it was another hard won realization um through years of therapy and and you know self reflection and I the good thing is I'm now great at lying so uh, sick days are really easy for me. <laughs> it's like oh no <clears throat> I've got the black lung. Um but yeah it was and it also taught me to at like a much younger age than I suspect most people have to learn it to identify what I was experiencing and sort of where it was coming from. Work out what's actually going on with your feelings because yep. people are asking you. Yeah. Yeah. And this is useful because yeah, sometimes our partners or dates will will go, Hey, you're not looking great, what's going on? And mm. it's really helpful to be able to give an answer. Yeah. And it's really helpful to be able to identify for me when uh, you know, when we've crossed a line, like I'm like, oh, I think I'm okay to hang out with this person or to hang out with one of my lovers. And I'm like, no, nah, actually, no, no, I'm actually, I've moved into a place where I just need to go home and recover now. Yeah. And being able to call that really quick rather than sitting there feeling miserable oh, and making them miserable. There is nothing worse than making the wrong call in that situation. Well, sometimes it takes a while to realize, yeah. right, that, that you are, that, that you're feeling that bad. Like, yeah. I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Fuck, I'm not okay. Yeah. You know? And it's like that thing where you kind of like, you get so used to just having to soldier on in so many aspects of your life where it's like, no, nah, I've got to go to work. No, nah, I've got to go to this just family dinner. Just got to put up with it. Exactly. But that doesn't apply to dates and to sex. No. It's not about putting up with it. No. So if you're trying to just pretend everything's okay and continue on all the time, that nasty shit in your head is carrying yep. on. That's not a pleasant situation. Exactly. And it can also be, I, I find now, and I learned this the hard way, is that identifying when when I need to make the call and I used to be worried about how people would react if I had sort of scheduled a date and then I was like, yeah, no, I'm just not up for it. I would be worried about, particularly with online dating, you know, there's always that thing of like, oh, what a flaky bitch or like, right. oh, you can't rely on this person or, you know, and you always feel like you've got only so many dates you can cancel. Before they label before they... you flaky. Exactly. Um, and so one time I decided, no, no, I've canceled on this person too many times. I can't do this. I've just got to power through. Oh no. Yeah. Oh, no, he's right. Um, And so they came over to my house and I was kind of like, yeah, look, just a heads up. I'm not doing too well. I'm pretty anxious and stressed um, and I'm just not really with it. But like, I'm, you know, giving you full disclosure. Um, Good on you for saying something. Yeah. And I kind of figured like, you know, as long as I'm upfront about it and they know what to expect, then, you know, it should be okay. And the guy seemed chill enough. Um, and he, um, went and had a shower while I, you know, got some drinks together. Um, but when he came out, I just, I could not keep my shit together. And I was crying, like proper crying. Um, and I, you know, in front of him took like a handful of Valium was like, nope, this is going to be great. We're going to, we're going to have a date. It's going to be great. Everything's fine. And did he sort of say, I don't. No, he was like, okay, cool. He He was was hanging in there. He was like, you seem to know what's best, so I'll just follow your lead. He might have been shitting himself at that point. 
Because if you're not Possibly. familiar with mental health, and certainly yeah. before I started to have mental health stuff, then yeah, I found people that were freaked out or freaking out really yeah. scary and confronting because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Uh, and now I know what to do because I've done it myself. Yeah. But if you haven't, it's a bit like, oh my God, this person's freaking. Oh, do I go with it? Do I yeah. say something? What's the appropriate response? How do response? I look after them? How do I be am empathetic? Yeah. Are they going to totally go? Yeah. yeah. Am I like, okay? Yeah. yeah. Um, so like... I, I swear somewhere there's going to be someone who's written a bad Dates of Melbourne post about this date because, like, oh, I stuffed no. up so badly. What happened after that? So I'm like, at this point, I am high on a fistful of Valium um, and several glasses of alcohol. Um, oh, You're not supposed to mix those, by no, the way. Just a little bit of a... Just a, uh, yeah, yeah, safety disclaimer. Right. Do not mix. Um, never take more than one Valium at a time. And never mix them with alcohol. Never mix them with alcohol. Um, and so I'm just high as a kite I've you know forgotten all of my anxiety um but then I'm not really all that with it because I'm off my tits um and he starts to get in some into some really deep shit about like how he feels about like his identity and how he feels like a lot of self-shame around kink and stuff like uh -huh. this and I'm kind of like I like puppies. <laughs> Not the right time for no. deep and meaningful because no. you're zoning out. In fact, I would argue that maybe at that point you're not able to consent. Like I don't think you'd no. be in the right place to be nope. responsibly consenting to any sort of like sexual interaction God, for no. starters. I mean, look, it's one of those things that I can laugh about in hindsight, but was such a bad idea. You just made me remember a really embarrassing story. <laughs> involving Valium and alcohol. And again, oh, no. kiddies, this is why you don't mix Valium mm -hmm. and alcohol, right? Nope. Um, so I just split up with a partner. I was super stressed out, uh, like it was really awful. And because I knew I was predisposed to anxiety, I went straight to my doctor and I said, look, this has happened. My mental health is really bad. I'm freaking out. Can you, can you just give me something that's going to help? Mm. And she prescribed me some uh, Xanax. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a lightweight when it comes to substances, so yeah. I'm super careful. I took, I'd pop half a Xanax if I was having a really bad day. And what happened is I got a booking request, an escort booking oh, request, no. and I got it from a couple and they seemed really lovely. And they said, look, um, we're not, this isn't a full service booking request. It's not a sexy one. We just want to meet you for a drink. Uh, and obviously they pay for that yeah. um, to get to know me and work out whether we should have a sexy booking. And this is my favorite way to deal with couples. I always prefer to meet them or have a coffee or a drink first. And then we all talk about what we want out of it and decide yeah. um, decide if we want to go ahead. And they always pay for that time, right? Yeah. But they pay a bit less than they would for a full service booking. Yeah. And it saves me turning up in the full lingerie and doing the sexy thing <laughs> if they're not ready or if we're not right for each other because yeah. that's a very expensive mistake. Yeah. So uh, so I had this couple booking. It was in this really cute little bar in South Bank um, and I was, not, I was having a bad day. And one of the things about being a good escort is that regardless of your headspace, um, you, do, you do the job and you do yeah. a good job. So I'm like, okay, I think it's going to be fine. I'll just take a little half of a Xanax and then I'll hop in an Uber and I'll go down to the bar and I'll have a great chat with them. It'll only be an hour. Nothing too complicated. It'll be fine. I got there. They're like, would you like a drink? Oh, no. <laughs> and because I was having a bad day and nervous and I wasn't thinking straight, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. So we got through a glass of wine each. And at, the po at that point, I realized that I couldn't see like more than half a meter in front of me <laughs> or in fact, like feel my face at all, <laughs> that my face had gone numb and I was starting to vague out. 
And I felt so bad because I'm sure that they were picking up on it. And I'm sure that they, I'm sure they weren't thinking, oh, the poor thing, clearly she's having a bad day and she's taken a Xanax and then forgotten not to drink. I'm sure that they were thinking, oh my God, we tried to hire a hooker for the first time and she turned up on drugs. And it's like every bad, every bad fucking um, stereotype. stereotype. And that's not how it goes. Like this is not what sex work is about. Like this idea that, um, sec- that, that you know, sex workers are all druggies and stuff is total bullshit, right? Yeah. We, we don't use drugs recreationally any more nor less than any other segment of the fucking population. So I felt so bad for walking in and oh, looking like I was no. embodying this stereotype because I looked so high, <laughs> so high I could barely f- focus on them. And they did not um, get in contact afterwards to book for a full session and i i'm pretty much understood that it was because i looked really high yeah yeah really embarrassing yeah that's that's a lot please don't ever mix xanax or valium and alcohol if your medication says do not take with alcohol listen to the fucking instructions reason right there is a really good reason why oh my goodness yeah so that's not the only time that i've felt deeply embarrassed and ashamed of having mental health problems while trying to get laid yeah but uh, it was definitely high on the list because when you're a professional you need to be professional and i take great pride in being professional in that case i just got caught out i just had that one drink and then suddenly i went oh "Oh, no no. everything's going foggy (laughs) (laughs) yeah not great not great not not ideal uh so when you were talking about that um situation where you invited the guy over and you were trying really hard to make it work and clearly you weren't great like what what would you want from someone in that situation if you were on a date with someone whether you knew them well or you didn't and you started to have a freak out or you clearly weren't well what if i say if i was on a date with you and that was happening and i'd never had mental health stuff before so i'm like oh my god she's she looks like she's freaking and i don't know what to do and she's clearly upset what what do you want what would you like to get from your partners i think um look it's I guess it's kind of a hard question to answer in the sense that it often depends on what the freakout is about. Mm. Um, like there's, you know, the generic, I just have anxiety kind of freak out. And then there's the, um, I mean, depression I find is not so much conducive to freak out so much as it is flatness. And just having just, a shitty time. Yeah. And you're yeah. just kind of like, yeah, I know we're at this fancy restaurant and I know you're really cute and I know I look amazing, but I just can't feel anything. Not feeling and I it. just, yeah, kind of want to be in my jammies and watching Netflix. It's sad and it's depressing. Um, but it's not, it's not quite as scary. Whereas I kind of feel like for, you know, and I don't think that, by the way, I'm not saying you're scary. No, I don't no, think I'm scary, but, but I think that for regular people that aren't used to mental health stuff, when we do have this stuff going on, it, people can feel a bit, uh, intimidated. Yeah. yeah. It's the difference like between depression and anxiety is it's like, you know, depression, you feel like your date's not into you. Anxiety, you feel like your date is not fucking okay. Um, and so I guess like if I was having an anxiety freak out, Mostly what I I need is just time and patience and sort of for someone to explain that I have both of those. So it's like um, my partner and I have this thing that we call no ticking clocks. Mm -hmm. So it's like if we are going to an event or, you know, sometimes we'll buy movie tickets. And the fact that I know that I have to be at a place at a set time. Starts to wind you up. Yeah. And I get really quite stressy, even though the cinema is across the road and all I have to do is put pants on. My brain is just like but what if I can't find pants? What it's a if... deadline. Yeah, exactly. It's like, fuck, I can't handle this. So if I'm on a date with someone, and to be fair, like, touch wood, it doesn't happen often that I have anxiety on a date. It will normally happen beforehand, and then I can make the call either, yeah, this is going to be fine or no. Um, but in situations where it's someone who doesn't know me well and maybe doesn't have that much experience with mental health, if they sense that I'm a bit anxious, I think just having someone say, 
hey, it's okay. Like we can take as long as you need to just like get to a space where you're okay. And like, whatever you need to just chill out, just let me know I'm here. Like I'm not going anywhere. And where this starts is with acknowledging. So often like, you know, when you're hanging out with someone new and you're picking up on a vibe, but everyone's too awkward to talk about it. And that doesn't work for particularly anxiety, but I feel like all mental, mental health, like it takes for someone to say, hey, it's I'm getting I'm getting a feeling that you're not doing great right now is that Mm. true and if that's the case just want you to know that it's okay yeah and once once you get to there then it's just problem solving but someone has to say hey just letting you know I'm not okay at the moment and I just need to like we need to take the pressure off for a minute or it takes your partner to say hey I'm getting the feeling you're freaking out a bit or you're not okay yeah um that's totally cool and we'll manage it but just let me know what you need yeah exactly and I think it's you know there is you know, often my partner um, can overdo it where it's the kind of constant check-in, like, hey, are you okay? Five minutes later, are you you okay? okay? I just want to scream, particularly when I'm depressed too. I'm not okay. No. But And what are you going to do about it, motherfucker? Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have asked that question. <laughs> yeah. Like, did you have a follow-up, buddy? Um, <laughs> so Same thing with, is there anything I can do? Yeah. Because when, when I'm having a bad mental health day, there's nothing you can do. And if you no. say, is there anything I can do, then I'm forced to go, there's nothing you can do, which is really awful. Yeah. And I feel really awful having to just repeat how hopeless the situation is and how little anyone else can help me. Yeah. So and it then becomes helpful. like you you end up performing emotional labor for the other person. So it's like I I find that I have friends who go, what can I do or what can I do to help? That mm. kind of thing. And a lot of the time I then feel like I have to come up with something just to make them feel validated. So they've got something to do, yeah. which is often the truth. Like when we see our friends or lovers in distress, we want to feel like we're being helpful. Yeah. But sometimes the most helpful thing you can do is the hard thing, which is to sit with someone in their suffering. Yeah. What, you know, Brene Brown's um, interpretation of empathy which is to to be in the feeling with someone yeah. even though it's uncomfortable to go oh this feels shit but let's sit here together with you and I'll just like let's you know I can see that you're upset and I'm just going to sit here and it's it's going to be okay yeah. Yeah. yeah and let's just sit here together let's sit here together and feel shit together and that's all right the other thing that I find works is just making people make me tea Oh, really? Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. So like when I'm distressed and I know that I need just a little bit of time, but I also know that this is someone who's not super comfortable or super familiar with it. I go, oh, if you could make me a cup of tea, that would be amazing. Because then they've got something they've to got do. They've got something to do. They feel like they're helping. They're not directly like sitting and watching and waiting. They're out of your space a bit. Exactly. I'm going to remember that one. And the other benefit is that if you have a cup of tea and this is um, like a good trick also for um, children who are experiencing panic attacks or like severe anxiety, Mm -hmm. Um, but don't give children tea, give them cold water. But you, if you're sitting with a liquid and you have to blow on it and cool it and like you You've know sip to at focus it, on. and it also helps to regulate your breathing, yeah, wow. which is what triggers a lot of the physical symptoms of anxiety. This is some good tips. Yeah, I'd, I'd go for non-caffeinated tea because my yeah. anxiety caffeine is not helpful. Rooibos tea is fantastic for that. Or something herbal. Well, rooibos is um, one of the only naturally occurring caffeine-free teas in the world. Fantastic. Yeah. This is another the thing I didn't you know. know. This is getting um, down to a very detailed level of yeah. mental health care. <laughs> mental health care. Um, <laughs> but it's good because it comes in a lot of like really different flavors. So sometimes if you um, sometimes you can use sensory input to shock yourself out of anxiety. So like some people will um, eat or drink something that's really bitter or really sweet or really, um, you know, just outside their normal palate. And that's enough to kind of go, oh, 
oh, that's that's different. Like my brain is now focusing on that. I mean, eating helps anyway for me, which is not yeah. not ideal. No, <laughs> eating being my coping strategy. But yeah, like like it's the endorphin hit, right? Yeah. So if you really, you know, it's the lesser of two evils. Yeah. If you need to really cheer yourself up, yes, I will eat that croissant. Yeah, that's exactly. fine. And that is, yeah. Sometimes self care means sugar. Eating the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, yeah. Although sugar makes me depressed, so. Uh, so this is the problem like if I'm freaking out or if I'm depressed yeah first thing I feel like is um, having a drink yeah second thing I feel like is sugar but both those things make uh, me depressed yeah. so it takes a big effort and this is also an issue like if I'm going out on a tinder date or something and I'm feeling down oh, the drinking right yeah um, so I might have a few drinks and feel fine on the night yeah but the next day when I'm unpicking the whole date and my social anxiety I'm yeah. like oh my god did I do the right thing was I any good in bed holy shit then those few drinks I had are going to make me depressed as well. Yep. And so I'm going to be feeling not just maybe like drop. So I'll be having mm. all this this like huge endorphin crash from getting laid the night before, which makes you feel a bit down. Yeah. And then I'll be feeling down because I was drinking and it all just comes together in this yeah. horrible dovetail of shitty feelings that makes everything much worse. When I could have just gone, hey, I wanted a date last night. It was fine. Yep. It's from that to I wanted a date last night and I'm super anxious about how it went. And for some reason I feel really down, which probably means that I was terrible and they yeah. hate me and they're never going to call again and it just gets out of hand that's really interesting because like i get a similar thing with alcohol where i call it the shame hangover what? where as soon as i've had you know x amount to drink and it's normally the the point where your inhibitions are very suppressed mm-hmm. um and then the next day i have that combination of like the depressive um like because alcohol is a depressant where the next day i'm kind of like oh i feel like turds anyway yeah but it's also then that nitpicking of like and then you said that to that person and then you said that to that person and you didn't even think about how that sounded to them oh at the my time. god that's my entire life yeah particularly after not so much one-on-ones sometimes but def- particularly groups and parties yeah. and like did i did i say the wrong thing or yeah did i use the Was wrong I tone of giant voice wanker did, did I, I ignore s- someone that i shouldn't have yep did i speak in a french accent or pretend to be a one-legged goat can i just say that your french accent is lovely and i've seen you <laughs> smashed like remember that time at that party when oh, we were both super smashed I, and then you started talking in a french <laughs> accent and then i put you in the uber and you talked in a french accent to the uber driver all the way, the home. way home and then he it asked was what part of france i was from and you i must suddenly have been doing a good job well i think i must have been because he was like oh whereabouts in france are you from and i suddenly <laughs> dropped it went back to ocker and went oh no nah, i'm from here no nah, man <laughs> nah mate australian ass fuck <laughs> <laughs> So to turn this around a bit, so we've talked about like um, what it's like to 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 date and to hook up with mental health stuff, and we talked about maybe what some care things could look like. And that tea tip is absolutely ace. I'm remembering that. Thank you. That's all right. On the other hand, like, is there any t- any times when sex helps? Are there times when sex helps with your mental health, or where your relationships um, can and your hookups can support that sort of stuff for you? Um, Is it always like a minefield of fear and trepidation? I think I've found that like, and this is very much something that is specific to my circumstances and not at all reflective of everyone, even people with similar diagnoses. But for me, when I'm not feeling well, sex is something that I need to avoid, um, mainly because for the same reason that I should avoid drugs and alcohol, where it's sort of like, I know that, so I have a very quick, um, I guess you'd call it endorphin turnaround. Right. So you know how, like you were saying, like the day after you've gotten laid, you'll have the drop. You have a big crash. Yeah. I have it about three seconds after I orgasm. Oh my God. So you actually get a huge mood drop from yep. all those brain chemicals, Yeah. but right after you come. Yeah. 
and it's huge. That's so, like, fucking shit. There is nothing worse than sitting on top of a good-looking stranger and having just had the most spectacular theatrical or inspiring orgasm, only to then burst into ugly fat girl crying and just be like, I'm not okay. Oh, God. Um, I find it happens anyway. Like, if I'm feeling a bit depressed, I'll go out and have a great night, have great sex. But orgasm can be really, like, really intense and it can – it's like having a really good massage. It can bring up all these feelings. And if you've ever found yourself crying in the middle of a really, like, intense massage Mm. because it just – you just relax and suddenly all this stuff comes out. I get the same thing with coming. I relax and then suddenly I'm sobbing and this poor fucking bastard that I just met three or four hours ago is like – why are you crying? Yeah. You're not supposed to cry after sex. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's that about? We didn't agree to this. But it's emotions. Like I'm feeling yeah. my emotions and some of them are, I'm really sad right now. Yeah. But not right now, just generally. Just, it's just generally that you happen speaking. to bring it up. Yeah. Um, and like I'm lucky in that I have, um, you know, some reliable go-to hookup buddies who know what the situation is and we, we basically play Q&A. Um, Explain to me what Q&A is, just in case our listeners haven't heard that one yet. It's my favorite game. Um, I used to call it just hypotheticals. Um, But essentially, it's uh, one person asks a question, um, and then the other person answers. Mm -hmm. And then the person who asks the question answers their own question. So everyone answers the question? Exactly. And what sort of questions are we talking about? Well, the cool thing is it can be pretty much anything. Um, So my favorites are, you know, things that I have to really think about. Because for me, the distraction from the crash is what works to stop me from crashing. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like if someone's like, oh, you know, what did you think of um, that movie we saw? And if it's like a quick kind of superficial response, it doesn't really work. So it needs to be something deep and yeah, sort of Yeah, something you've got to like really think about. Give me an example. What's your favorite post-sex distracting question? Um, so one of them might be like, uh, okay, you are given infinite resources and 20 of the smartest people in the entire world, but you only have one year. What do you do with them? Oh, I know how I'd answer that right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have sex with all the scientists, damn it. Dude, fucking climate change. I wasn't even thinking of sex. I was not in the gutter. I was going straight to saving the world. Thanks very much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my answer Maybe was... Maybe having sex with them after we solve climate when, yeah. change. Well, I mean, you know, you, you solve climate change. You've got to fuck to celebrate. Well, you've got to reward them. It's like yeah. the, it's like getting the virgins in heaven, except yeah. I'm not a virgin. And it's uh, 20 scientists in... I can't think of anything hotter. Yeah. Especially if they kept the lab coats on. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely down for that. I'm having so many, like, you know, (laughs) like, visualizations. You better continue. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so ones where you've got to, like, really think about it. And so it's like, um, or, you know, if you could go back uh, to any point in history and change it, what would you do? Um, And then I'm like, okay, but... If I'm going back in history, like, do do I speak the language? Um, am I still a woman? Is a like, French accent good yeah, enough? Yeah, is a French accent good enough? Or do <laughs> right. I have to actually speak French? Because that's going to screw things. Um, you know, and you start kind of establishing the rules of the scenario. Like, and you, it's that kind of thing where you, you could give a superficial answer where you're like, oh, I guess I'd like just go back to like ancient Rome and like, you know see the vomitorium or something. Oh, I'd kill Hitler. Yeah, it's always fucking kill Hitler. I actually said once to, to a similar question, the, the Q&A question was, you know, if you could be go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? And the answer was supposed to be, um, you know, I'd go to 
to Vanuatu and lie on the beach or I'd go to the Andes and mine was I'd go to underneath Trump's bed and then as soon as he got into bed I would jump out and stab that motherfucker <laughs> and everyone went whoa <laughs> see that's that's the kind of answer I love and yeah. then we dig into it right and this yeah. this keeps you occupied exactly so that you're not lying there going I feel terrible I feel terrible yeah and you're not focusing on like you're crying you're not focusing on how embarrassed you are you're not focusing on anything except the like how do you stab Trump like where do you stab him do you start at the dick or do you start at the face like, do you I go mean, for the low-hanging fruit or do you <laughs> <laughs> the small portobello mushroom or do you are we even allowed to talk about this on a podcast i don't know we're probably Is now on like a CIA please don't list. stab anyone yeah no i don't, don't really i don't i don't even I don't. even human embodiments of cheesels we don't condone stabbing i was serious about having sex with climate scientists but i was not serious about stabbing donald trump Please don't put me on the watch list. Yeah, yeah. we would like to formally rescind our threatening <laughs> statements about the president. Um, I'm sorry if I caused offence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, like I would go, like I could go to um, Scott Morrison's like Pentecostal church, set myself up as one of the foremost leaders within the church uh, and then convince him that climate change was God's punishment for him being a twat. <gasps> Right. And all the time that you're talking about this, you're not thinking, oh, my God, I'm crying in front exactly. of this hot person I just shagged. Yeah. So it, Although it, talking about Scott Morrison while you're in bed with someone, ooh, yeah. I think that's kind of out. Yeah, that kind of does ruin the mood a little bit. <laughs> Although one day I will do the Barnaby, the Barnaby Joyce move. I will, after sex, roll over and whisper in someone's ear, good day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> just, just to see the look on their face. That is... That is spectacular. That is, um, yeah. Just once. That's going to haunt me. <laughs> maybe, maybe to someone I don't like very much. <laughs> I did once um, in the middle of sex while I was on top of someone. They did, they said something that I asked them not to, um, which was like, it was just a small fuck up. But I was like, no, no, no. And so I was riding them, stopped and like just mid coitus went, excellent smithers <laughs> um, they never fucked up again it's the millennial version of saying the word moist in someone's ear and i know that's not cool right but but yeah definitely yeah. the simpsons references so we've gotten yeah. way off track here yeah, yeah so basically what you're saying is that sex for you can be super dangerous in terms of your mental health because yeah. it sucks all those happy chemicals out of your brain yeah. so you actually don't want to be doing it if you're not in a good place no i need to be very careful and make sure that like you know, whenever I'm thinking about going out and hooking up, whenever I'm thinking about going to a sex event or, you know, any time that dating or, you know, hookups or sex is on the table, I have to kind of do a check-in and be like, hey, buddy, self, are you okay? Are you cool to do this? Are you in a strong place right yeah. now? Yeah, and was, like that's as much for my safety as it is for the fact that I don't want to put my shit on someone else because yeah. it's not their shit to have to deal with. And if you're out at a party or something trying to pick up, uh, yeah, everyone else out there is to have, there to have fun and they haven't um, prepared themselves for someone yeah, else's stuff. Exactly. And, uh, and yeah, you know, maybe it's not safe for them um, if we come into the space and we're like super freaked out. Yeah. Maybe that's going to be unsafe for those people. Yeah. yeah. And like I, I think I've always seen, particularly with depression, because I do see it as it's this lifelong thing that I just have to manage really well. And I often compare it to diabetes where I'm kind of like, it's not my fault that I have diabetes, but if I eat shit, don't exercise, don't take my insulin, etc., it is my fault when I end up in hospital with gangrene. And so taking that analogy further, it's like, you know, no one's going to judge me or no one should judge me for having no. diabetes. But if I just show up at a party and I'm like, hey, can you inject insulin into me? 
Like that's maybe not, that's not cool. That's and, not their job. And there's a whole degree of stuff around this. Like we try and manage our stuff and we try and be responsible. And then I'd also like to acknowledge that um, for some people, their mental health stuff is the kind of thing that can come on really fast yeah. that they have absolutely no control over. Exactly. And that when that happens, it isn't our fault either. No. And that we just have to hope that we have people around us that um, that are good at handling those things and that can make things safe for us. But for some people, they they might not have those options of managing their symptoms and that would fucking suck. Like I'm lucky. Uh, that I can be like hey I'll stay home if I'm having a bad day yeah um, yeah and like I do sometimes find like with the borderline where if I'm having a bad day I have um, what I call low emotional regulation where um, any kind of feelings or emotions that come up they become very very difficult to um, like essentially to regulate which means like I can't process them the way a normal person would um, and when that happens I it's very hard to pretend to be normal um, and that can be really awkward and it can be really hard. Um, so most of the time I'm just upfront and I say, hey, I'm um, not doing too well at the moment. And depending on who I'm talking to, I will give either a small blurb or a bit more of a blurb depending on their... How much they can handle. Exactly. I kind of feel like having um, struggling with mental health stuff can be a bit of a superpower because we're forced to learn to... Uh, look into our own heads, work out what the hell's going on and then actually find some words to talk about it. Whereas a lot of people, you ask them how they're feeling or how things are going. How do you feel about this date right now? And they're like, oh God, you've put me on the spot. I don't even know what to say. I don't know how I feel. Um, But because we have to deal with this stuff, we have to think about it. So we do become really good at going, hey, I'm a five out of 10 today and I'm okay to go to the park, but I'm probably not okay to go to the pub because it's really crowded and the footy's on and I might get a bit anxious uh, and being able to actually talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and constantly like checking in with yourself and being like, you know, how am I feeling about doing X, Y, Z and, you know, preparing yourself for situations that might come out of the blue in certain scenarios. Like, oh, if I go to the pub, that would be fine. Oh, but if the sports ball is on, that would not be okay because I can't handle people shouting and yelling right yeah, now. Yeah, so maybe I'm going to call that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's good to have those skills and I wish that everyone did have them because if we could all just say, hey, how are you doing? Well, I'm sort of doing okay, but I'm feeling like that thing we planned on doing, can we do something else? Because I'm feeling like that might be a bit much. Like it would be so good if everyone could share yeah. that. Stuff. If everyone we met or went on dates with could say, hey, I know we planned to go for a drink, but do you mind if we just sit on the couch and cuddle? Yeah, exactly. And I think the more that we talk about mental health and the more that we, um, you know, raise it in a very normalized way, I think that becomes more possible for a lot of people. Um, And I've been really fortunate that, you know, so many people in my life, whenever I do talk about mental health, I start to notice that they will adopt similar language and and similar behaviors where they'll go, hey, I know that you'll understand. Um, I know we had plans, but I can't because I just feel really sad right now and I don't know why. And I'm like, thanks so much for letting me know. And that's really good self-care that you're like looking after yourself. So good to know that it's okay to say that stuff. Yeah. I have a number of partners and I've had a a few partners and lovers who struggled with stuff and we got really good with each other at saying, hey, I know we plan to meet up, but I'm actually going to cancel today because I'm having a bad mental health day. And having the other person say, thanks so much for looking after yourself. Um, you know, uh, look after yourself, get in touch again when you're ready. Yeah. And that, that was cool to say. Yeah. It was really good. It's a great way to go. Yeah, like in a society where we we do tend to kind of blame people for flaking and bailing at the last minute and all of that sort of stuff. We take it personally, like, oh, they've rejected us by cancelling when really they're just doing the thing they need to do on the day to to look after themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So like rewarding people instead of punishing them. Exactly. And that really does breed this kind of um, feeling of safety with those people. Like the people, and I do find it interesting with hookups, especially is um, I think we've spoken before about the no test. 
there's a guy who researches domestic violence um, and he was giving advice about what uh, particularly women and femme folk can do to help predict whether a partner might be inclined to domestic violence or not. And of course, you know, it's not the victim's duty to, you know, ensure that they're safe. We should be teaching people and they not can't to offend. necessarily stop it. Exactly. But any little extra little tools we have at our disposal exactly. to check whether someone is going to treat us respectfully, right? Yeah. Is helpful. Exactly. Um, so this guy came up with what he called the no test and he was like before you've necessarily even met the person he's like you will have a situation wherein you need to tell them no um, and it might be smaller it might be big he's like but the way that that person responds to that no tells you a lot that you need to know for me it's when someone asks for my number uh, on a dating app yeah. before we've met and then I say oh sorry I can't give that to you because I only give out my number to people once I've actually met them yeah and if they say oh yeah that seems fair enough then that's great. Yeah. If they say, "What's what the fuck's your problem? Clearly you don't trust me, uh, then I go, you just failed. Yeah, we are not ever meeting. Bit of a red flag. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's this, it's little chance, a little chance to set a boundary yeah. and to go, hey, I'm not comfortable with that. And if they say, yeah, great, thanks for letting me know, then you know they're going to respect you hopefully. Exactly. Or it's a bit of a clue, right? Yeah. And so I find that when I am potentially going to meet up with someone and I say, you know, I really was looking forward to our date tonight or tomorrow or whenever, um, but I'm just really not traveling well. You know, my depression's really bad today. And 90% of the time, it's kind of jerky responses that are just like, oh, that's a cop out. Oh, that's a bit shit. Oh, that's wank. Rah, rah, rah. And then you know, because you can yep. fucking call that person exactly. and move on to the next one. So that's, it's a really great way to dodge a bullet when it comes to people who aren't mental health literate. Cause I can go, yep, cool doesn't seem like we're going to get along, I'm and, done yeah. here. And you don't want to get close to someone that can't handle you having the occasional bad mental health day exactly. because it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel also can empathise because I just don't think that we're taught how to handle mental health stuff. No. So I do think that often that response is around like, being defensive or weird about it because people are uncomfortable yeah. doesn't make it okay, and I'm still sorry. Oh, um, absolutely. I, 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 I sort of wish that we that someone took a side and said, yeah, like if if you meet people that are having mental health problems, it's not about you, it's about them, and they just need yeah. some time, and it's totally an illness. It's not that there's something wrong with them. It's just a thing. Like you know, if someone messaged and said, hey, I know how to date tonight but I just got run over by a car and my leg is broken. So do you mind if we cancel? You're never going to go, fucking bitch. Yeah. How dare you be I so you flaky? jumped in front of that car. <laughs> right? Or you must you must be lying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so why should it be any different for mental health? If you're exactly. having a day when you're sick, whatever that sickness is. Yeah. Yeah. It should be legit. And, you know, I often think of it in the same way as, you know, if you call in sick uh, because you've got a cold, it's not just because you feel shit, but you also don't want it to go through the office. And sometimes for me, it, with depression, it's like, yeah, it's not that you're going to catch depression off me, but it's also I'm not at my best and I'm kind of going to bum yeah. you out as well. And, and maybe we're not going to have fun and it's going to yeah. be a waste of your time too. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want you to catch sad from me. Oh, um, I just and, want to give you a big hug now. Oh, I I'll catch your sad. It's, fine. <laughs> it's the best kind of STI. <laughs> I think that's debatable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think it's like when when people respond positively or empathetically, uh, 
empathetically thank you uh, empathetically to like hey I need to do some self-care or hey I can't make this state it's to me it's a huge green flag because I'm like oh you get it or you're compassionate and you understand and it makes me feel a lot safer, safer. about dating them it's in the a first big place. relief like oh yeah. this person gets it that means we can hang out just having those little words thanks for looking after yourself that's yeah. cool um, to- totally fine come back yeah. to me when you're Hope ready you're take okay. your time let me know yeah. if there's anything I can do kind of stuff well is... not even needing to fix it like I don't feel like we should we need to fix other people's mental health stuff no. it's just enough to go hey thanks for sharing that with me I yeah. totally respect that I do find that I often get responses from people saying let me know if there's anything I can do to help mm-hmm. um, and I understand that well obviously that there's nothing they can do um, but I also understand it comes from a place of like hey, I just want you to know that I still care. And I'm available if there is something you need from me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've had people really kindly like, could I bring soup? Would that help? Oh, my God. But that's a good – that's a suggestion. It's not even making you come up with something. So that's really nice. They're actually – sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And people who have said, look, just sing out. If you want, like, ice cream and Netflix on the couch, I'm happy to come over and cuddle. Like, Oh, my God. Those are – I mean, obviously – I'm kind of like, no, the last thing I want is for you to see me in the depths of my despair. But it was a lovely idea. there's such kind, thoughtful responses because I'm like, oh, you're thinking about me and not making it about you. They care rather than the defensive, well, fuck you for rejecting me. Exactly. Just assuming it's about them rather than about you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, love it. So I'm kind of coming from the opposite direction in that um, often – I do find that getting laid helps me with my mental health, but it's like this double-edged sword. And maybe you can give me some advice on this (laughs) because if I'm down, I know that making some sort of positive connection with another human being makes me feel better. Um, Whether it's hanging out with some friends or getting hugs or getting laid, like sex is a really good bonding thing and having that experience can be really great. But going, setting out to find it, right, can go either way. If I I might go out and get laid and go, yes, you know, my faith in humanity is restored. I've had a bit of some endorphins and some oxytocin and I feel better. Um, Or I might get horribly and cruelly uh, rejected or encounter someone that's awful, in which case, uh, you know, my whole, the depression is just like doubled or tripled and I'm worse off. So it's like this, it's this precipice of, I feel like this might help, but maybe it's too dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. I I think in those situations, and like this is, you know, something that I I have not so much around like the depression, but I sometimes get it around self-esteem where I'm kind of like, if I could just have like a really validating experience right now, that would be great. But if it goes the wrong way, hot damn, so am I going to be a mess? Yeah. It's a bit like the whole poly thing. Like if you're polyamorous and you people go, oh, it must be great to date six people at once because <laughs> you've got all surrounded by all these people that all love you at once and you'd be really safe and supported. And I'm like, motherfucker, when six people <laughs> dump you at once, like that is a whole oh. new level of feeling bad about yourself. Yep. And it's a bit like that with dating, particularly yeah. online dating because it's so volatile. Mm. It's like one great hookup and you're on top of the world one bad one and you're just shattered and you don't know which way it's gonna go exactly it's such a like it's a russian roulette um and so i think that like in situations like that if you if you have a little black book of established hookups of people who you know are like down for it and who are compassionate it's much better to go in that direction rather than risk the the random stranger hookup and like sometimes it's not as validating because it's kind of like oh 
no, but they have to be nice to they're me. They're not a stranger, so exactly. their opinion doesn't count as much, exactly. which is just fucking weird. Oh, it's <laughs> such bullshit. It's like, here's someone whose opinion I value and, uh, you know, actively seek out on they regular occasions. They know who I am as a person. Yeah. So they can't comment on my superficial attractiveness anymore. They're <laughs> exactly. biased because they like me. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> we put ourselves in some weird-ass situations. Oh, yeah. The, like, the, the mind gymnastics of mental illness is phenomenal. Similarly, there is this sort of interesting phenomenon that I have observed and I would love to know whether you have and this is when the shoe is on the other foot. So this has happened to me a bit as an escort and it has happened to me a bit as a person that dates other people that sometimes I will be hanging out with someone and I'll go, how, how are you today? And the answer will be something along the lines of, oh, I'm glad you asked. I'm really terrible and my wife just left me and, uh, you know, I actually was suicidal last week. It was really full on. And then this happened and I just don't know what to do. And um, I've tried all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sort of sitting or lying there going, I don't know if this is the right time for this conversation. And I want to know how you are, but I'm also not a therapist. Yeah. And why Why have you decided to, to, you know, open up the floodgates of share, of overshare about this? Because I do care. But what happens then yeah. is I've got like, all this stuff I'm like oh my god you're depressed and suicidal and you had this terrible life and your wife left you and I feel like now I need to counsel you through all this stuff but actually I, we're just here to have sex mm. and I'm curious to know whether that ever happens to you on a date whether you meet someone who is clearly like uh, you know often people that just don't have anyone else to talk to so as soon yeah. as you say how are you doing it all just comes out and I want to go dude like you, this is therapist stuff you need to see a therapist yeah um, it's interesting. I like in the interests of uh, honesty around mental illness. Are you I, called out by this? I am. Look, <laughs> I am often the oversharer. It is actually one of the <laughs> the symptoms of borderline. Is that like we people with borderline? We have this kind of dichotomy where it's either I will tell you nothing and I will remain a complete mystery and an enigma and you will never know me, or here's every trauma I've ever experienced in my entire oh. life. And you can't regulate. Like it's just, it just all comes out, bleh. right? Yeah. And this can be super. It's not awkward because I think talking about your feelings is bad. No. It's awkward because I think us mere mortals are not designed to process or deal with that stuff. Particularly if we've just showed up for a bit of a share exactly. with someone new, and suddenly they've laid this huge like uh, problem at our feet, yep. and it's like, was this the best time? No, and the worst part is when you are the person who is involuntarily oversharing, and I'm not saying all oversharing is involuntary, but for people who it is, it is this awful, awful feeling of just sudden vulnerability. I'm a relatively um, empathetic person, and I do often end up on the receiving end where people are kind of like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Um, and normally my response is always like, hey, do you have like a good mental health support team? Like, you know, and I will come at it from a place of empathy and compassion, not, hey, fuck off, I'm not your therapist. So good, so good. And thank you for that. Like, thanks for that position. It's really good to empathize with that because we don't this stuff happens for a reason right yeah and saying hey you know do you have a therapist or even like um it sounds like you're having a really fucking hard time at the moment who's supporting you who is yes. where are your supports like That's who do you have for support response. because it's not obviously after we've finished whatever we're doing um we might not be hanging out again it might yeah. be one off but where's your support going to come from yeah so and, and now we're coming back to the suicide right so i have had partners who have been suicidal and clients who have been suicidal. Um, and I feel like that's a time when 
for me, like it's all well and good to say, hey, I have boundaries and there are some things I'm not really keen, cool to talk about. You should go to your therapist. But if someone says to me, I'm suicidal, I'm going to respond to that. I'm not yeah. going to go, oh, well, you'll be fine. Yeah, good um, luck, champ. Right. And what that looks yeah. like for suicide is going, hey, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Do you have a plan? Um, is it likely, like, is it now what you think you're doing? And if they have answers to those questions and if it's, uh, if it's soon or if it's something that reasonably could be accomplished, then we start to get an idea that it is a real risk. And at that point, you've got options, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not a, I'm not a um, therapist, but um, those options are to connect them with other people that are closer to them for support, to, like, call Lifeline and say, hey, I've got someone with me that's suicidal and I need help because yep. we shouldn't be able to fix that stuff on our own. Yeah. And, you know, if you're ever in a situation where someone is, you know, actively self-harming or, you know, anything that's quite extreme, um, calling the local CAT team is um, also a really good option. Um, so the, the crisis and trauma team or the CAT team um, surprisingly don't arrive with a bunch of cats and be like, hey, look, cats, don't kill yourself. That would, so, great. That would fix all my problems. Right. They are sadly not that cool. No cats. No cats. Um, no scientists like naked no. except for their lab coats because no. that would cheer me up also. Right. The cat team are normally like two mental health care professionals who will come to where you are and they will help assess basically how bad you are at any given time. Um, and from there they will either call an ambulance to take you to hospital so that you can be admitted to the public psych ward or they'll ask if you've got a therapist that you see that you can check in with, um, all that sort of stuff. And they they can be really good if you are, if you're in a situation where you have someone who is actively self-harming, who is a danger to themselves or others, um, they are the people to call. Oh, I mean, obviously, if someone is an immediate severe threat yeah. to themselves or others, you call the police right or like if they're threatening you or or themselves yeah yeah how did we get here this got very heavy (laughs) Uh, what to do if someone's suicidal on a date yeah yeah i mean yeah that that would be uh that would be a date to remember it would be a date to remember yeah yes um Mm, and it's maybe it's not a first date maybe it's like you know you've been dating this person and it's like your 20th date together and suddenly they're like by the way I'm really depressed and not really loving life right now. Maybe it's your best friend's boyfriend and they've called yeah. you up in a panic. Maybe it's your lover's other partner. Yeah, like or it's a always good to have this or, stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of feel like we've covered off a whole load of stuff here from like whether it's a good idea to go out and try and get laid when you're feeling bad. And it sounds like for you it's a definite no. Yeah. And for me it's a like a sometimes a yes, but sometimes also mostly a no. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, what it's like trying to um, trying to talk about how we feel with new people we're hanging out with, what it's like when you're having sex and suddenly you need to cry, you need to feel down and how awkward that can be and how other people can make it less awkward fast, right? And it literally is like, it's a broken leg. It's like, oh, I broke my leg. Oh man, that really sucks. Yeah. It's not... Um, you know, oh, I'm depressed today. Oh, wow, you must be a real weirdo. Yeah. Like, no, it's just I mean, it's I a am, leg. but it's unrelated to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's catching a cold. It's like, yeah. yeah, sorry, you're not feeling well. It kind of sucks. I hope it feels better soon. And yeah. that's 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 all we need. It's yeah. like any other illness, right? Exactly. Um, and, you know, chicken noodle soup might not help, but also it's chicken noodle soup, so you should always offer anyway. Or tea. Yeah. Or 400 climate scientists. <laughs> <laughs> and an infinite budget for research. <laughs> or, you know, just uh, a one-legged goat and a pirate. 
I feel like the people who didn't listen to our last podcast <laughs> won't know what that's about. But if you did miss out on that one, you can tune in to the Safer Sex episode where we do have some very interesting conversations about Sam's pirate and one-legged goat role-play fantasies. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing that stuff. I know it's super personal. I really appreciate you talking about it. Um, and it's been really helpful. Thank you so much for having me and for providing a safe space to share it in. And uh, where can we find you if people want to read more of your stuff? Yeah, so uh, if you would like to hear more about my madness and uh, escapades into psych wards, you can find all of my articles at smartbuttons.com um, or you can follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram and occasionally Twitter. Fantastic. And a lot of really great uh, sex and dating articles are really worth checking out. Ah, thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope it's been as good for you as it's been for us. If you'd like to find out more about the podcast, you can visit artofthehookup.com and that's also the place to go if you want to find out about my book project. Please share this podcast with anyone you think would benefit from hearing this stuff. Spread the word as well as the love and let's make the world of hookups a better place.